stream. We are dreamed into existence. What we do with that dream is up to us. This is Stream. I am Jessica Deruta, and I share with you my stream of consciousness. You may find Stream on my blog at trustpsyche.com and on my YouTube channel, Jessica Deruta. Please take what serves you and leave the rest. Let us begin. How we dream is as important as what we dream, for the what of the dream knows itself through the how. Welcome back to Stream. I want to continue today with deepening our exploration into family patterns in astrology, seeing archetypal signatures within our family system. And I realized after yesterday's recording that so many different um, kind of nodal points were opened up for me in that stream. And so I'm seeing if I can pick up some of those threads now. Um, uh, today's May 20th, 2018. And I want to go into describing how we can begin to open up to seeing the patterns within our family system or our family of origin and give some examples of what I've seen over the years. And I'd also like to go in a little bit more into describing um, what a family system is and how we begin to take that psychological perspective and apply it astrologically in looking at the chart from a systems view perspective. Um, so there's a lot of different threads going here today and I'm gonna see if I can get them to come through um, coherently here. Okay, so first let me, um, let me define briefly um, what a family system is. So family systems comes out of the work of um, the psychologist Bowen. And if you want to read more about it, um, a good resource is the bowencenter.org. It's for the study of the family and it's dedicated to the development and dissemination of Bowen theory. So Bowen is um, a psychologist that you study um, in any pretty basic psychology course. And essentially what Bowen did was um, came up with a bunch of different um, understandings and tools for working with families. And something that I uh, mentioned yesterday was a genogram or a family map, a family diagram. This was developed by Bowen, and it symbolizes a living organism, and it's the multi-generational family emotional system. So as it says here, uh, more than any other symbol, the diagram announces the necessity to shift paradigms, to move beyond an individual cause and effect model to a multi-person 
multi-person systems model and understanding human behavior. So the diagram is much more than just a genealogy. It represents the profound emotional connections between generations. So people are born and die, but a family's past lives um, lives in the present. So uh, a psychological tool that we can all do is create uh, a genogram. And you can look this up online. It's on the Bowen Center. Dot org if you want to see it there, but you can just Google it. And essentially what you do is you create a map, you get out a piece of paper and a pencil, and um, you go back as many generations as you have information on. Usually we can, you know, just going to our grandparents or our great-grandparents suffices. And we use um, uh, squares and circles. Um, to be able to um, create the genogram. So um, you put down a square for men and a circle for women. And if you have trans in your family, how about we use a triangle going up and a triangle going down, depending if the transition was from um, man to woman or woman to man. And what we do is we create, we write down the person's name and we represent how they were connected. So our grandparents were married, that would have a straight line, and then there would be a line that would come down from them to each one of their children. And what you want to include in this information is the person's na name, their birth date, and their death date if they've died. Um, you can add in the cause of death. Um, you want to signify whether these people were married or divorced, um, you want to be able to put in any kind of information that feels relevant. So whether that's occupation, um, religion, um, socioeconomic status, um, whether or not they had higher education, like whatever is relevant for you and your family. And the way that we begin to um, look at this psychologically is we see these patterns in our family that we really only begin to take in once it's in, on paper in front of us on this genealogical map. And what I like to do with the astrology is to then include sun sign, moon sign, rising sign, um, if there's any kind of key astrological signatures that feel relevant, like, oh, wow, both my grandparents were Sun-Saturn, or um, both of my parents had Moon-Neptune. And we just can begin to add this data in so that we can see these family patterns and these archetypal signatures, both psychologically and astrologically. So that's a really good psychological tool that we can all do at some point. And there's lots of instructions online on how to do it. So you can just look it up and you know do it yourself at any point. So what a, what a family system is, is essentially what this genogram, this family diagram is showing us. And uh, a family system is, you know, it's our family of origin and it shows us the um, types of roles that each person in the family carries. And we can each carry 
multiple roles or different roles at different times in our life, but a lot of us kind of fit within different categories of these roles. So for example, one role is the peacemaker. Um, one role is the the star child or the, the um, you know, very high functioning, accomplished person. Um, there's the one who um, tends to be the identified patient, the IP, where um, they're seen as having chronic problems, whether that's alcoholism or having affairs or um, always having problems with money um, or depression or anxiety. They're the one that, um, or ones that tend to act out um, the anxiety or the tension within the family system. Um, and so what we begin to see in looking at the family system and the emotional relations that are happening within the family system amongst the different roles that each person occupies is um, we can begin to decipher what's called a multi-generational transmission process. And so I kind of went into this in yesterday's stream where I was talking about archetypal complexes through planetary combinations that are transmitted from generation to generation. Um, just like we get our DNA from our parents, we get our astrological um, complexes from our parents and we um, can carry those uh, maybe through different aspects. So like our parents had the conjunction and we had the trine or our parents had the square and we have the opposition. But that the important part is that there is a shared planetary combination um, irrespective of what the aspect is between those two planets, hard or soft. So you can listen to yesterday's stream, um, Family Patterns and Astrology, to kind of get the foundation of that. And this, this stream is going to be a continuation of that uh, conversation. So um, multi-generational transmission process, psychologically speaking, is the way that our emotional um, capacities, both in our strengths and our weaknesses, show up inside of ourselves that we inherited from um, our parents and our grandparents. And so you can see this going way back in our lineage. Um, and, you know, a lot of the way that a child um, understands and experiences themselves is what's called through a family projection process. So if we just look at the relationship between the parents and the child, that the parent's emotional state is projected into the child who is um, extremely receptive and sensitive um, at a very young age to this. One, because there's not as much sense of self and ego developed that can create the necessary sense of um, differentiation of self yet, right? We're very undifferentiated as infants and toddlers and adolescents. We become more differentiated in ourself as we get older. But that also, um, the way that a child learns about themselves in the world is through the way that the parent consciously and unconsciously relates to the child. And so a lot of that actually is transmitted through the emotional state of the parent and the emotional state of the family itself. And I think it's really important here that we normalize 
this process because it happens in every single family. There's no family that exists outside of either a multi-generational transmission process or the process of family projection. Um, you know, we all have experienced it, experienced the different qualities of a family system, which is experiences of triangulation, where we get three people in a dynamic, usually two are on the inside and one person's on the outside, and who's on the inside and who's on the outside shifts. Um, depending on the level of conflict that's going on between any two people within the three-person triad. Um, there's always the process of differentiation of self where we're either more or less differentiated that we see on a spectrum. It's a continuum. Um, so we all experience these different um, qualities that happen within a family system so it's really important that we normalize this because I think sometimes um, when we learn about these different psychological theories we then go we, we tend to look for oh my god what's wrong with me what's wrong with my family oh this finally makes sense now I now I see what's wrong and it, Yes, that is a natural part of what happens, but I also want to say that it's very normal. It's so normal that it it seems to be um, woven into or coded into the structure or the fabric of being human and being in these very intimate relationships with our parents and our siblings and our children. So everyone experiences this and... I want to encourage us instead of using this information to, um, you know, freak out and go, oh my God, what's wrong with us, to just take it more, a little bit more lightly and gently and remain curious and open as much as possible to kind of just sit with it. And I'm even noticing in myself, like my body can get kind of tense or contract in certain places. And so just to pause for a moment and take a deep breath and just go ah everything's fine I'm fine you're fine everything's just fine we're just bringing in some tools of awareness that can illuminate and bring uh, perspective and insight into this messy game we call being human okay so um Going back into looking at this more astrologically, um, I want to discuss some more of those ways that we can begin to see the archetypal signatures show up within our families. So yesterday I talked about shared planetary aspects and I gave the example um, that I have where I have Jupiter, Mars, Uranus and I got that from my father and then I gave an example of my client who had Venus, Pluto and he got that from his father who had Venus, Pluto. I also said at the beginning of yesterday that there's no one method to begin to see these archetypal signatures show up. Um, but that we can trust that they are there. So I, I want to paint a wider picture going beyond just shared planetary aspects. So what I've seen over the years is we can also look at a family system and notice that each person in the family um, 
has, for an example, a fire moon. So we can look at the moon sign and go, wow, every person in this family shares the element of fire in their moon. That's another way we can see archetypal signatures show up is element elementally. Oh, every person in this family is an air sign, has their sun in an air sign. Um, another way we can see it is through signs. So, um, wow, every person in this family has the sun or the moon in Sag, or every person in this family has multiple planets in Capricorn. Okay, Capricorn, the sign of Capricorn is a very strong archetypal signature shared within this family. Um, we can also begin to see it through modality, um, where let's say um, every person's son is in um, a, a mutable sign. So the parents are uh, Pisces and Virgo, and the children are Sag and Gemini, and it forms a grand cross. Um, and so we can see a sharing of modalities there. And that can be with the sun sign, it can be with the moon sign, it can be with the majority of the planets and the chart. Um, we also see interesting things where there's the shared sun sign. So like, for example, my mom and I are both Capricorn women. So sun and Capricorn and both being female is a very strong archetypal signature that her and I share. Um, so not only do we see shared planetary aspects, but we can sh see these shared signs and elements. And then this also can apply to the houses. So, um, wow, a lot of people within this family's majority of their planets show up in the first house or, um, look, the parents have a strong first seventh house opposition going on and the children are also sharing that or the children are forming a grand cross in the house system and they're showing up really strong in the fourth and the tenth. So there's different ways that these patterns can show up and the way that these patterns show up, however that might be, because we know they're showing up, that's what happens here in family systems, are their, their patterns. And those patterns are astrological and those patterns are psychological. And they are correlative to each other. So ultimately they're not actually separate. The astrology reflects the psychological patterns. But the way that these patterns show up is what I like to call structural poetics. And I love this phrase. Um, my husband and I came up with it a few years ago when we were talking. And um, I love it. It's a very Saturn-Neptune um, idea. So structural being Saturn, poetics being Neptune. So the structural poetics. And what I mean by this is if we know that the very fabric of reality, the nature of reality, has these underlying archetypal patterns. Those patterns are the structure of whatever it is we're looking at. The person, the family, the relationship, the cosmos. So there's a structure there. 
the way that that actual structure shows up is poetic in that there is a meaning or a message that transcends the structure of the system we're looking at. And again, that system can be a single organism or a family organism, right? When we're bringing that system's view to astrology, we can begin to see the structural poetics. So for example here, um, my husband and I, our signs and our house system are inverse to each other. So I'm Pisces rising. I'm, I'm about 13 degrees Pisces rising. And uh, therefore 13 degrees Virgo on the descendant, right? Those are always um, an axis exactly opposite each other. And my husband, Travis, he is 17 degrees Virgo rising and 17 degrees Pisces on the descendant. So I'm Pisces rising, he's Virgo rising. That opposition of the mutable sign and the way that our house system works out is just that. My midheaven is Sag and his midheaven is opposite that, Gemini. So all of our quadrature angles of the ascendant, midheaven, descendant, and I see are the opposite signs to each other. And so that's the structure of it. And the poetic piece of it is when we look at the um, archetypal nature or quality of our relationship, it is just that, that we are not only very opposite from one another in so many ways. I mean, Travis is much more introverted than I am. I'm, 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 I'm in the middle, but I'm definitely tend lean more to the extroverted side. Um, especially socially. You know, Travis is a thinking type and I'm a feeling type. Um, I have a lot of fire and earth and Travis has a lot of air and water. Um, you know, it, it goes on and on. But, so this kind of um, way that we structurally see these oppositions in our chart you also see that um, psychologically and emotionally, archetypally in our relationship and the way that we show up in the world as individuals and then when we come together as a couple. And so what gets really interesting is that when you take our synastry and you turn it into a composite chart, so the composite chart is literally taking the midpoint of every planet's, all the planets in our chart. So my sun, his sun, my moon, his moon, my Mercury, his Mercury, and so on. And the middle degree of that, the midpoint of that is um, the composite chart. So in our composite chart, our house system can be inversed so that we can both have um, either uh, Gemini rising or Sag rising. So what that means is that in our composite chart, we our, our house system is also inverse. So we can occupy both the sun in the 10th or the sun in the fourth. So this is very um, applicable to the way that Travis and I show up in the world. And we also being, um, 
I'm a Capricorn and Travis is a Cancer. So our sun signs are opposite. And Travis also has a Cancer moon, which is exactly to the degree opposite my Capricorn sun. So we're also, we're, we're carrying so many of these um, polarities within our relationship. And the way that our relationship works best is when we can meet in the middle and see our differences as an asset that the ways that Travis is different than me being introverted being a cancer being very watery is uh, is medicine for me and that when I can inhabit more of those qualities and Travis can inhabit more of my qualities, literally taking it in as a potion or as a medicine, drinking from each other's well. We both flourish. We both grow so much more and shine so much brighter because we're balancing out not only one another, but inside of ourselves, the areas that were less developed or less evolved, right? We just don't have as much practice in those ways. We grow so much more than we could have without doing that. And so instead of, you know, resisting the way Travis is different than me, by embracing that he's different and not asking him to be like me while simultaneously trying on for size the ways that he is, I naturally feel more balanced and I see myself blossom. Let me give you a couple examples here. When Travis is a musician, he professional musician, he plays upright bass primarily. And, um, you know, Travis has been, uh, you know, he, for eight years, he traveled around the world playing music with different bands. And Travis is also a middle child. And he, he's one of three boys. And his older brother and his younger brother are both Capricorns. And they're both three and a half years on either side of them. So Travis is really the middle child in that he's chronologically the middle child in the family system, but that he's also the middle child by age exactly the boys are three and a half years on either side of him they're both capricorns he's in the middle as the cancer so you know on the one hand my capricorn son is extremely familiar energy for travis i mean in a way his whole childhood was the training ground for him to be with me and my archetypal signature of carrying the capricorn energy but Travis very much has shown up as a middle child. In a way, a basis is often can seem like a middle child in that the basis is carrying the base. They're carrying the, the, um, the beat. But they are doing it usually, you know, set back. They're not at the front of the stage, usually like the lead vocalist or guitarist. They're, they're set back. And their job, doing a good job playing in a band, is to blend in. Like, you don't really notice them, right? And that's like a really good sign. Like, wow, the bassist is doing a really good job. Well, when Travis and I got together, you know, 
he started to play the bass solo. So now he's not playing in a band. And by playing solo, he is forced to develop certain parts of himself musically that he hadn't done before, like singing, like um, improvising even more on the bass so that as a performer, he could hold the attention of the audience. And all of a sudden, not only was he beatboxing and singing and hitting his bass in new rhythm rhythmical ways, he was playing new genres of music. He was incorporating other instruments like the shruti box and the zither and goat toenails. Oh my gosh, I love that Capricorn goat toenails. You know, he's bringing in all these other elements and becoming a one-man show. And that very much is how I show up in the world. You know, I'm usually at the front of the classroom. I'm at the front of the room. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm leading the group. You know, I'm the one that's kind of out taking charge, leading the way with my Capricorn sun and Aries moon. And Travis now carries a lot of those qualities in himself. And the reverse of that is true in that now I have learned to step back more and to be much more um, introspective and reflective, um, you know, practicing not only listening more and hearing the other person's position like a, like a middle child often does, um, but that I have less need to be right. Um, I have way less of a need to um, be the center of attention. I have way less of a need to um, you know, have these high ambitions. Well, I'm, I'm an only child. I have a lot of fire. And he's helped um, bring me back to center, helps, helps ground me, uh, helps me slow down helps me not take on as much, not be so overworked. And so we've become medicine for each other. So we can tie this back into the structural poetics is the way that our synastry is structured is poetically true. There's a poetic justice in how our relationship has unfolded. And this structural poetics can be applied to everything whether that's an individual birth chart or to synastry or composite um, or to a family system. So that's a, a brief overview of the structural poetics and I'll get into that more and more with time. I have more examples of that, but I kind of just want to say that when we begin to see these patterns reve revealed, these archetypal signatures showing up, at whatever level of correspondence we're looking at, there is a structural poetics in that patterning. And that is why I cannot sit here and give you some prescriptive model on how to find that pattern for you or for your family. Because just like every family has its own unique qualities, it's going to have their own unique archetypal signature 
And the way that the archetypal signature shows up is going to have its own structural poetics that all reflect one another and is going to be um, correlatively true and medicinally on point for your particular system. So my hope is, is that by giving you those different examples of the way that those signatures can show up through planetary combinations, through sign house placement, through modality and element, those patterns can begin to be revealed to you. Um, and so what I want to say here that, uh, you know, bringing um, an epistemology of curiosity to the data to the living symbols of astrology I have found is the most effective way for those patterns to be revealed so like when we are specifically looking for something to often prove or affirm some feeling or intuition or um, perspective we have we're less likely to um, be revealed what it is that is wanting to show itself to us. And so what I find is that if we can actually kind of soften our consciousness and blur the edges of our mind and really just go in and look at the chart or the charts and just sit there instead of actually like trying to look for something and just softening our gaze and looking around until the symbols literally jump out. And I mean, that can happen in, in a lot of different ways. But for me, it's like my attention is drawn towards something and I go, huh, what's that? And I look and I'm like, huh, yeah, okay. And I make note of it, but I don't make any meaning out of it yet, right? Unless a clear meaning comes through. So I'm not trying to make meaning. I let the meaning be revealed. So I go, huh, okay, I'm no I just make a note. For some reason, my mind is being drawn to um, Venus Saturn. Okay. I'm going to look at the next chart. So, oh, look. Huh. There's Venus Saturn again. Interesting. I wonder if Venus Saturn is shared. I wonder if, hmm, I wonder if anyone else has Venus Saturn. Hmm, okay. Look at the next chart. Oh, there it is again. Oh my gosh. We all have Venus Saturn. Oh, that makes so much sense. Right, right. Because I have Venus Saturn and my mom has Venus Saturn. And there has been a multi-generational transmission process where my mother has a very strong love of her father as do I, and yet my mother's dad wasn't um, emotionally or spiritually or psychologically present for her. And I know that there's been a lot of pain for her and, you know, his inability to show up for her you know, is experienced as neglect and abandonment. And that is an archetypal signature that I inherited and my father wasn't present for me for most of my life. Um, we've reconnected and healed a lot of that now, but you know, I will never get that back from him. And that Venus Saturn is 
Venus being the love of and Saturn is the father. And oftentimes it can show up in a more kind of like traditional sense as um, the young girl whose dad wasn't there, who was absent. And so that was passed on um, psychologically from my mother, but it was also passed on archetypally. And again, these are reflective of each other. They're not actually separate things. Now, that being said, just because you have Venus Saturn absolutely does not mean that your father was not present, right? It can actually be a father who um, is very devoted and committed to his daughter. And the bond can be very, very deep. And there can be a strong sense of loyalty there. And just because our parents didn't have a father, we know absolutely doesn't mean that we don't. So sometimes when I, you know, try to imagine, I wonder what my future children's charts are going to be like. And I go, and I notice my mind going, oh, I hope they don't have Venus Saturn. It's like, wait a second. Actually, I would be honored if they had Venus Saturn and that that archetypal symmetry was passed on because one thing that I karmically knew from, oh, since about the age of 20, that was one of my most important tasks here this lifetime was to find a partner for me to be with that would be an amazing father to my children, present, grounded, loving, aware, had follow through. <laughs> because I saw the karmic torch that I bared on the difficult side of not having a dad just like my mom did, didn't have. And seeing that we both have Venus Saturn, right? So that's the challenge that I inherited. But the gift that I inherited from that Venus Saturn is my mother and I are both very loyal people, extremely loyal. And commitment and integrity are of utmost important to me in relationship. And, you know, that doesn't mean that I do it perfectly but that it is a core Venusian value of mine to show up with as much awareness, commitment, mindfulness, and integrity in my relationships. And I know that I got that quality from my mother. And so if our children have Venus Saturn, I know that they will experience it differently because Travis is a man and a father that will absolutely do everything in his power to show up and be there for his children. So that example just kind of shows my mm, thought process around the inherited astrological and psychological complexes that I've received from my lineage and how I see myself as the transfiguration point in metabolizing 
the karma and bringing forth a new instantiation of that archetypal signature. So it shows both how there is a certain level of destiny or fatedness to these signatures that we inherit. I mean, it's inescapable to inherit the karma or the signatures or the family projection process of the emotional ways of relating. But what is open and where we have choice is how we participate and show up with those challenges and how that actually can be turned into strengths in ourself and for the future generations that come after us that will continue to inherit these different astrological and psychological signatures. So even though we might be fated and destined on a certain level, we still absolutely have the opportunity to transform the ways that those energies and signatures show up. And so it's a very Venus-Saturn thing for me to feel that Saturnian sense of duty to mature the Venusian way of relating, especially in romantic partnership and with friends, so that my children do not have to go through the same type of suffering and loss that I went through of not having a dad. And I know that my mother also had that same Venus-Saturn commitment and sense of duty to evolve aspects of ways that she felt unmet and unseen as a child and did her best with where she was at to give me some of those things that she didn't have. And so I can see the, the gift and the medicine and the absolute integrity that my mother had as a Venus-Saturn woman and that commitment to change things for me as her Venus-Saturn daughter. And I can see how I carry that spirit in me of that commitment and that loyalty to take on that sense of duty to mature and change what has felt like great loss in my life for my children. And so I can see the archetypal signature of loyalty and commitment showing up. And that doesn't mean that my mother doesn't have limitations. And it doesn't mean that I don't have limitations. But I can see how that was passed on. And I can definitely feel the challenges of it. In a lot of ways, my life has been guided and informed by those challenges. And yet, I am doing my best to show up in a place of responsibility and saying, okay, these are the things that I have inherited. What am I going to do with that?
So I am going to stop the stream here for day today. I want to thank you again so much for being here with me. I'm really loving doing this forum. It's bringing me a lot of joy. And every time I do one, more things open up. And um, so I'm excited to continue on this stream with you. Please feel free to like the video, leave a friendly comment, and share with those who you think it would be helpful for them to hear. This is Stream, and I'm Jessica Deruzza. Mm.